You know, I, I guess as human beings, you know, human beings are fallible and I'm all too human. So, you know, even to this day, I'm constantly um, sort of checking myself in terms of what I know to be the pr- solid principles that have worked. And but I have to remind myself uh, constantly. And that's, you know, that's probably for me, one of the benefits of, of writing the Global Investment Letter is that, you know, it, it helps me. And I've, I've even occasionally written that in the in the issues. I say, you know, I'm reminding the reader, but I'm also reminding myself that you got to bear this in mind and so on. And so, yeah, it, uh, so the global, you know, the, the newsletter is, is, is a bit of a sort of a, a check on my, on myself. And I think I'm probably a better investor for writing it than if I did. Welcome to the Alphamind podcast with me, Stephen Goldstein and my co-host, Mark Randall. today's podcast, we had the pleasure of chatting with Jonathan Baird, an award-winning money manager and investor of almost four decades who publishes an outstanding monthly newsletter, The Global Investment Letter. Jonathan shares fascinating thoughts and perspectives on the investment process, his journey and career, the emotional and psychological challenges of investing and managing money, and how putting his thoughts down in a journal both helped his investment process and his personal state management and evolved over time into the brilliant global investment letter. Before we start, a few words about our sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA, and their brilliant technical analysis home study course. The home study course is an online version of the full program, which is taught at the London School of Economics. If you are keen to develop your technical analysis skills and take your knowledge and understanding of them to the very highest level, then this is the program you should be considering. As one of the lecturers on the full program, I am fully aware of the high quality of the home study course, which has been written in partnership with many leading figures from the world of technical analysis. And since the STA is a not-for-profit body with a history going back over 50 years, you can be certain that only agenda is your education, development and growth. We are delighted to announce that the STA are offering a discount on the full cost of the home study course and the home study course and diploma program to listeners of the Alpha Mind podcast. To find out more about the home study course and how to get the exclusive Alpha Mind discount, visit the Alpha Mind blog page where you will find a link to the home study course at the top of the page. Go to alphamindblog.blogspot.com or just Google Alpha Mind blog. Now on with this week's podcast. Welcome to this week's Alpha Mind podcast, and we have uh, Jonathan Baird with us. Uh, Jonathan is the editor and publisher of the Global Investment Letter, um, and spent more than twenty-five years as an award-winning money manager in Canada, and most recently uh, winning a Lipper Award in twenty ten for managing the number one global equity fund in Canada itself. Um, he's run several top quality number one ranked funds over the course of his career as a money manager. And, of course, this has led him into uh, investing in all major industries, asset classes, and markets, which I'm sure our listenership will be very interested in. But, of course, is it, it's, it's his driver behind this newsletter. It's what, what, what links to the world of AlphaMind is, is philosophy behind it, the sort of psychology behind some of the investing things he gets involved with that we're looking to tease out of this conversation today. And he understands the difficulty of the investment process and and the essential role that quality information and opinion play in successful investing. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. It's, it's certainly my pleasure to be here. 
And perhaps I gave a brief introduction there, but tell us more about your, your journey so far and uh, perhaps start to lead into some of the, the themes that uh, we know are important for the audience. Yeah. Well, you certainly summed up uh, you summed up my career actually very nicely. Um, I guess uh, from the point of view of our discussion today, one of the one of the things that springs to mind for me is how how dramatic the evolution of my style has been over the years. Um, when I started managing money in the mid nineteen eighties, I was a dyed in a wool uh, Ben Graham. Uh, aficionado, very deep value. And I would be looking, I literally were buying companies below their net working capital. You could do that in those days. It's much more difficult now. And uh, I started managing money. At, uh, I, I started in the business in late 1984. And then I uh, was actually sent over for uh, about seven months to London to uh, work with the company I was with, London Office, which was a wonderful experience. And I came back at the end of 1986 from that and was given uh, my first little bit of money to run. So I was I started managing money quite early in my career. And so I was managing money uh, for about oh, nine months before the 1987 crash. And so I, I you know, I have some vivid memories of, of that. And and then after that, I, I managed. Luckily, the the value of approach that I was using actually uh, held up very well through through the crash and so on. And that earned me the opportunity to uh, manage uh, much larger amounts of money. And and then I moved I moved more onto the mutual fund side in the early 1990s, um, which is what I'm primarily known for as a money manager in Canada is mutual funds. Although I've run, you know, a variety of, of different accounts over, over time. And then um, back in 2013, the firm that I was with uh, got bought out. And then I had a choice of what I wanted to do um, subsequent to that. And I decided to concentrate on managing my own account and, uh, and then from that, I grew. Uh, I grew to uh, begin writing the global investment letter, which was a bit of an outgrowth of my own habit that I had developed over time about keeping a trading and investing journal. Because I found that when I was in school, one of the best ways that I could retain something to, you know, in terms of studying for an exam, was actually to physically write something down, and then it would sort of stick in my mind. And so I developed over the years sort of a, a bit of a habit to try and uh, just collect my thoughts on paper and try and work out, uh, you know, a plan going forward and so on. And so that's ultimately what the global investment letter ha has become, is that it's I, I've, I've kind of shared my own uh, thoughts on a monthly basis about the market. And, and it's, you know, I, and I guess mainly it's it's an effort for me to give back a little bit to people in terms of perhaps getting the benefit of the, of the hard won and I underline hard won uh, experience that I've uh, that I have. And, and, and so that, that's what the global investment letter is. I, I talk about, you know, the positions that I have in the market, but, but also how I manage the trades and so on. And I'm not suggesting that people buy or sell 
what I'm doing. The idea is just to perhaps just give some thought to sort of how to actually undertake the task. And of course, I also talk about market conditions and so on. Um, I guess one of the things is, as I said at the outset, my, my style has evolved considerably over the years from being a pure value to being now what I call a pragmatic investor in terms of incorporating value as well as technical analysis. And there's a large component of monitoring uh, psychology, um, not only the market psychology, but also my own psycho- psychology as a human being. Um, you know, because, you know, it's the old uh, saying from a cartoon, I guess, I have seen the enemy and he is us. Well, you know, one of my one of my fundamental beliefs is the greatest obstacle that we have to being successful traders or investors is ourselves and our own human psychology. And, um, and, and so as an outgrowth of that, I've incorporated, uh, of, you know, just a, a whole mishmash in a way of, of disciplines, which I kind of think of now as just being pragmatic. I kind of do what works. Uh, and over time, you know, I, I have managed to, uh, I guess, learn from my experiences. So my mistakes are, uh, you know, a bit less than they were when I was younger and, you know, hopefully of a, of a lesser scale. But uh, they certainly still occur, you know. So. Interesting. And I guess for the audience's point, I guess, the view on just what we're talking about, the global investment ladder is a bit more than a letter. It's it's 29 pages, well, in the last edition, of really thought-provoking depth, you know, and certainly having, we've all come from the pro world, it, it's a professional piece of work. You know, it's what you'd expect to get out of a research team. Oh, um, well, yeah, yeah. You know, oh yeah, no, no. It's uh, I. I don't want to make. <laughs> yeah, no. I. I mean, I guess I. I, I don't want to sort of. Yeah, I, I don't want to sort of understate it in in a way. Oh, it, I mean, it would be considered institutional quality stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do. Um, you know. I. You know. Besides just talking about my own sort of. You know, trade management. You know, like the recent issue I did. Uh, you know. A, a, a kind of a deep dive on my thoughts about the prospects for inflation and so on. Um, and I, you know, I monitor what I think are the key uh, elements affecting markets around the world. Like, you know, I began talking about the, the coronavirus last year in the um, February issue of the, of the global investment letter. And then I, I, I did a, a much bigger piece suggesting that equity markets were, were, were in danger and and those issues are actually up on the website as available as as free sample issues. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I I don't want to. I mean, I I work very hard to to make it a um, a, a thoughtful, worthwhile piece for subscribers um, because um, you know I uh, the, I do you know I do charge a little bit uh, for for the for the subscription, and I want to make sure that people. That are you know been kind enough to subscribe you know more than get their uh, money's worth out of it. So I think that underlines great process though to be to so be able to curate that information and be aware of that information and to be tuned into those various verticals that that are out there in markets. 
it goes back to what we talk about a lot on, on the Alpha Mind podcast that the process becomes important. This, this, where you monitor, how you monitor, how often you monitor, you know, what, what, what do you notice to be able to drive your decision is super important. Uh- Absolutely. And, and you know, the uh, the issue comes out once a month. And as you say, it's typically 29 or 30 uh, pages. But I'm I'm working on it uh, every day in some respect for a few hours in terms of uh, seeking out uh, the information and considering what's going on and uh, and uh, and so on. So it's. Um, a lot of hours and a lot of effort, not only for myself, but for, for my, you know, my team that helps edit my, you know, the, the so it, it, it becomes a relatively uh, polished uh, 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 publication, and at least in terms of the, the, the quality of the prose and so on. Um, and, and, you know, we live in such unprecedented uh, times, uh, you know, the, and that's easy to say, and because you know the markets are always throwing up, you know, uh, changes and shocks and so on. Uh, but uh, what's happened since the turn of the century, in the space of twenty years, is is um, you know remarkable. I guess the only way I could describe it, and the demands on an investor or a trader to be able to adapt to changing circumstances. And 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 to adapt to developments that are not intuitive, like there's been so much that has occurred, um, you know, over the last twenty years that is actually counterintuitive from from previous experience. Um, you know, one example would be, you know, the expectations back coming out of the two thousand and eight financial crisis that um, we were going to see. Uh, uh, a rebound in inflationary pressure because of the massive expansion of the of, of the monetary base. Well, ultimately, did not occur, uh, and I was one of those people back then that thought, well, based on on um, you know former uh, former precedent, you know this is likely. It did not occur, and it took me a little while to figure out that that spoke to the underlying weakness of the global economy. And I think we're in a similar uh, situation now where um, there are two camps. One that is expecting some widespread inflation uh, uh, coming out of the, uh, the events of the past year or so. And other people, and I'm in that camp, is seeing that the inflationary effects are probably uh, temporary and will ease back. Um but uh, the challenges from a psychological standpoint for for traders and investors are, I, I would say, more demanding now than certainly any time that I've you know since I've been you know actively engaged in in the investing world, and um, that's what makes you know the 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 work uh, that you and Stephen do and uh, and other people. Uh, Involved in 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 you know considering the psychological elements of of the market so important. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I think they, <clears throat> you know, the, the challenges that are in front of all of us, um, um, disappointments uh, and risks and whatnot, extend far beyond the trading world. And of course, uh, 
you know, so the management of all of that bandwidth of things that can get in your way, you know, ultimately leads to, you know, how, how good a trader you're going to be. If you're not managing it, you know, if, if you're not picking up those triggers and dealing with those triggers appropriately or, or getting tripped up by those triggers per se, you know, it will feed through as to how you come through as a trader. Um, so the, the, the psychology of the trader, I think, is uh, it's constantly compromised in this, this debate about, well, where is the market going? And I think, as you say, you know, back in 2008, there were two or three views and some were right and some were very, very wrong. At the moment, there's, a, there's not a consistent view. You know, there are some people think about, you know, macro stuff and that the lead, lead through to inflation. There are some people that are looking at other topics that are, that are coming through as new drivers, the sort of the, you know, the, the climate side and, and the dispersal of populations and all sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, the, the themes do change. You, you talked about psychology of, of traders, but earlier on in the discussion, you talked about monitoring the psychology of the market. Uh, per se. Perhaps you can talk more about that. Yeah. Um, well, I I think you know at, at the end of the day, and I, you know I uh, as I say, I'm I'm constantly evolving, and probably you know as as a investor and and a trader, and and certainly one thing that I you know has grown more and more important in in my thinking over the years has been uh, respecting the um, you know, respecting the uh, sentiment that that is uh, about in the in the markets, and I and I think it, I you know, I've reached the stage now where I think it's it's pretty well axiomatic that uh, one of the best ways of earning a you know a good risk reward uh, return in markets is to uh, do the opposite of, of what extremes of sentiment are indicating. So, you know, when everyone, you know, the old saying is, you know, whenever you know, there's blood in the streets, you buy. And when everyone thinks things are wonderful, uh, you sell. And uh, while there's obviously more to it than that, um, if you can identify extremes in, in um, measurement, um, in anything, I, I, um, Anything that is an extreme reading, uh, regardless of what it is, and, and this is almost something you could apply, you know, in it, almost any aspect of life, is worth is worth noting. It doesn't always meaning meaning it's going to be decisive in in terms of decision making, but when you're looking at extremes, uh, that's worth uh, um, considering and 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 potentially acting upon. Um, and clearly, you know, we're, we're living at a time right now where investor uh, sentiment is uh, at very elevated levels. Um, you know, you've got record levels of margin debt. You've got record levels of uh, retail call option buying. Um, you, you, I, I put out earlier this year uh, a couple of posts of, of just magazine covers talking about the roaring 2020s um you know the, the, these are all n- these none of these things occur at market bottoms uh, i guess is the best way to put it and um and so i look at that and uh and i look at the dynamics of of crowd um 
of crowd thinking, which is what uh, drives markets. And you know, one of the one of the most famous books on investing uh, that I got exposed to, uh, you know, early in my career was Extraordinary Popular Delusions and the Madness of Crowds, and uh, it was written in the mid nineteenth century. So, uh, for modern readers, are are going to have to excuse a certain amount of sexism and jingoism in the prose, but but the um, the sentiment is the same: is that the uh, crowds of people will end up doing things that that a, that a uh, reflective individual would never consider doing, and certainly, I guess we see that in 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 the political history of the world where you know, countries and parties will end up uh, acting in a way that, you know, makes you wonder, uh, you know, um, you know, with, with the benefit of, uh, of hindsight. So um, that has become, uh, sentiment has become a, a major factor in, in my consideration uh, of markets and so on. But then, you know, I overlay that with fundamental considerations and, technical analysis and, uh, you know, know, I guess at the end of the day as well, uh, each of us have to find our own ways in the market. And I'm a big, uh, I'm a big reader. And and there was a couple of books written in the 1960s by um, George Goodman, whose uh, nom de plume was uh, Adam Smith, which I quite enjoyed. And I believe it's in one of those books where this quote that I that I remember to this day is, if you don't know who you are, the stock market is an expensive place to find out. And I, I you know, I, I think that's a very telling um, uh, um, observation. And, and so we all must come to our own, you know, uh, role as an investor or a trader and for instance, myself, I, I, you know, I just psychologically or my personality would not lend itself to uh, day trading. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm not one of those people that sort of gets enthused with cryptocurrencies. Now, perhaps that's a function of my age or, I mean, there's some very bright people that, that, that you know, think they're going to, uh, you know, be the future. My own, uh, you know, my own view is uh, if Bitcoin goes to a million dollars, I think that's great. Uh, I'm more concerned about, um, you know, the uh, how the investments that I'm involved in uh, are doing as opposed to uh, things that I'm not involved in. So I guess that touches on another, um, you know, concept of fear of missing out, you know, people creating anxiety for themselves because, well, I didn't get that one. Uh, or, you know, geez, if I had bought this, uh, you know. And the other thing I've learned as well is, uh, you know, uh, investment opportunities are, you know, kind of like buses. If you wait a while, another one's going to come along. And sometimes you have to wait a bit longer for one to arrive. And sometimes you'll get two or three buses show up at the same time. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I draw a lot of uh, analogies to investing from other aspects of life. 
because I get uh, partly because I think it's probably apt and also because I've been doing this so long that it's become such a central part of my life that I tend to see things in, in many respects, uh, you know, through the lens of an investor. And so that, you know, that probably has an influence as well. Um, any, anyway, you know, I, to me, the whole investment slash trading process, it's kind of all of a kind of a bit of a continuum. And it's, as I say, it just, I tend to see things through a certain lens. Um, you know, I guess being a professional investor, I probably produced that, but I've been doing it so long now. We will return to the podcast shortly. First, a quick word about our podcast sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. We are delighted to be able to promote their brilliant STA technical analysis home study course. Listeners to the Alphaman podcast interested in studying for the home study course can get an exclusive discount by visiting the Alphaman blog page, where they can find a link to the home study course at the top of the page. Go to alphamineblog.blogspot.com or just Google Alphamine blog. Now back to this week's podcast. I think it's important to understand that asking the reason why is, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I trading? Why am I getting involved in this is super important. But also I wanted to this, this concept that people must have felt pain by, by coming in without asking the question why just by joining a fad or like crypto. And there's a lot of people out there would have felt pain and had to deal with pain. So it's a question, Jonathan, I want to throw your way about, you must have had periods where you felt pain in, in, in your career as a trader. Perhaps you can just go, go through some of those experiences and perhaps how you dealt with that, perhaps that, what that translated. What does pain translate into? You know, what well, does feel for you? Well, well uh, thank you, Mark, for bringing that up because, uh, the, you know, that is a, a very important point. I mean, you were kind enough at the introduction to – uh, you know, mention uh, some of the successes I've had in my career. But, you know, that did not come without um, uh, stress and and uh, temporary setbacks and, and, and so on along the way. And uh, for me, uh, one of the, you know, one of the issues for me was dealing with changing markets. Um, markets, Changed, have changed considerably since the mid '80s when I first got involved, and certainly, and, and the and the change started to accelerate uh, in the 1990s. Um, you had the dot com bubble in the, in the 90s, and 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 so on, and that was a. I remember that distinctly being a very uh, difficult uh, time for me because while um, I like to think of myself as 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 being able to adapt, it was very difficult for me uh, to reconcile um, the valuations that uh, some of the uh, uh, leading stocks were were being priced at at that time. And while I was making, you know, I went through a period in the very late '90s that while I was making, in absolute terms, a very good return, I was not. Uh, earning the same return um, as um, as uh, some other managers uh, who had uh, fully embraced the um, um, the dot com bubble, and being in the mutual fund space, uh, competitive uh, you know performance is uh, you know is a big consideration. So it was very uh, very um, 
painful and um, and stressful for me dealing with that. Um, I'm in retrospect, I, I managed it the best way I could. Although you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I you know I would have just gone all in. But my respect for risk, risk, which probably comes from my start as a value investor, you know, has has always um, prompted me to look at investing in terms of risk and reward. And so, in retrospect, I was quite happy that I, you know, with the way I handled things. But it was very, very. Uh, uh, emotionally uh, uh, hard for me in those days, wrestling with uh, with those conditions in in particular. I, I think I'd make the other observation too that because my style has evolved uh, over time, and it's evolved in response to the changing in in the changing tone of the markets, um, that. The evolution itself has created uh, at least short, short um, periods where perhaps I've t- had to take a, st- I've taken a step back in terms of my returns or or my approach uh, until I, you know, and until the evolution it sort of is complete. It, it I, I guess the the best way to sort of uh, analogy to come up with is, you know, if you're a golfer. And you decide you want to uh, uh, improve your swing. Sometimes you have to basically break things down to such that you've got an, an entirely new swing. And then when you do that, uh, sometimes you go backwards before you go forwards. And I used to play tennis when I was younger, and and that was the same thing with tennis. If you're trying to improve your tennis game, sometimes you're going to make some changes in your game, and uh, it's going to cause you maybe to lose some matches in the short term before you you um, you know actually move forward. And I think part of the evolutionary process for me what was that um, that you know they weren't always necessarily you know sort of dramatic um, uh, setbacks or whatever, but they certainly psych- psychologically were demanding on me. Uh, uh, in terms of adapting to those changes and also uh, having, I, I suppose, the the distance or so to, p- to be able to recognize that these changes that I'm that I'm making or or incorporating thing new things that I've learned are going to work out uh, over the long long haul, and then you know. And then, of course, the process and how you, how do you deal with those feelings? And one of the things is that you know if you're not feeling particularly confident um, uh, as an investor, or you're not sure of what you know what the market is telling you, just start trading smaller or don't trade at all. Uh, and uh, you know that's a lesson that you know I, I broke that rule probably you know, a few times when I was younger, but it's one thing that I've come to respect is that, you know, monitoring risk levels and so on is is so important um, over time. And certainly uh, your psychology uh, should be, uh, you know, tied into sort of your your, um, 
exposure as an investor. So I'm always asking myself sort of how am I, how am I feeling uh, these days? You know, am I, am I feeling too confident or overconfident? Am I too sure of myself? Or am I, am I uh, unsure of myself uh, because I don't have a plan going forward? And, you know, in any of those instances, if I don't have sort of a, you know, a, a moderate sort of middle of the road approach, if I have any kind of those extremes of, 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 of emotions, uh, I try and, you know, pull back um, as, uh, as an investor. Um, and uh, now, of course, that's easier said than done now for me because, um, you know, I'm managing just my own account and then publishing the global investment letter. But when I was, uh, you know, when I was managing mutual funds and so on, <laughs> I didn't have the luxury of, you know, having uh, 0% cash. Uh, people don't pay you fees for holding cash for them. So, uh, so, and that leads to another observation I might make that, it, that it's actually probably easier being an individual investor as opposed to a professional investor. Because an individual investor has the ability, if they want, to just to be out of the market, um, uh, you know, completely. If 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 that is sort of what recommends itself, and um, whereas you don't have that um, luxury as a professional investor in most in most cases. Um, now, th- there are advantages to being uh, professional in terms of access to information and so on, but. You know, even that, that gap has narrowed considerably uh, over the years uh, as well. Um, but, but, you know, that is, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've, you know, I've, I must say that particularly in that internet, in the dot-com bubble period, you know, I had some day, you know, I, I'd go home at the end of the day and I, I'd be feeling pretty beat up because I, you know, intellectually, I knew what was going on was nuts. Uh, but it, you know, uh, it went on. It went on longer than anyone would have anticipated, and um, and you know that that was the most noteworthy um, period for me. Now I've had, you know, I, I've I've also when I was younger, I've had you know periods where said so, you know I just made a mistake um, through lack of experience or just you know because I was just wrong. And, and, um, you know, I, I have these little short terms, you know, geez, how did, how did you do that? Or I'd violate one of my own rules, you know, which, you know, you know, I, I guess as human beings, you know, human beings are fallible and I'm all too human. So, um, you know, even to this day, uh, I'm constantly, um, sort of checking myself in terms of, uh, you know what I know to be the the you know the the uh, solid principles that have worked, and but I have to remind myself uh, constantly, and that's you know that's probably for me one of the benefits of of writing the uh, the global investment letter is that you know it it helps me, and I've I've even occasionally written that in the in the issues I say you know I'm reminding the reader, but I'm also reminding myself that this you know. You got to bear this in mind, and so on, and uh, and so um, yeah. It uh, so the global, you know, the, the newsletter is 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 a bit of a, a 
sort of a, a check on my uh, on myself. And I think I'm probably a better investor for writing it than if I didn't. From my own point of view, not even, you know, I just, uh, it, it helps remind me of stuff. Yeah, it, it looks it, it looks like a release for you. You know, this sort of a, this gets you, gets going, the other side of you, gets turning away from, you know, the physical aspect of trading into guess to, to just writing and I think and whilst you're writing about markets, just that process is a way of you just kind of stepping back a little, just reflecting, just curating, just one <clears throat> experience, giving yeah. something back as you say because you're giving something back as well. So there's there's a good feel good side to the to, to the letter, and I think that's it's almost like it's part of your process and part of your process of self management. Uh, of like your place where you go to to just you know play around with some creativity. Well, you know you're absolutely you're absolutely right, Mark. Uh, Mark. And I, and I've also, in fact, I was just I was just thinking about it over the last uh, couple of weeks. Is that the tone of the newsletter uh, has changed a little bit? It's less a little bit less formal now than when I started, uh, and it's more now. You know, here I am. I'm just kind of sharing my my thoughts in in what I hope is a cohesive, you know, cogent way uh, with the subscribers, and and I'm also showing a bit. I think I'm I, I'm showing a bit more of my personality in it. Without you know, I, I I don't want it. It's not about me. It's about the markets. But at the same time, uh, I am. I think you're absolutely right. There's there the tone has has evolved a little bit. And it's much more kind of me sort of working thing working things out, but also sharing things with with the subscribers. And uh yeah, I guess you know, and, and it's turned out to be uh, you know, just um it's it's turned out to be just uh, uh, sort of a wonderful thing uh to do. Although I must say, writing each issue is run, a bit like writing uh, uh running the gauntlet. Because I try and get it out a few days after the end of the month, and I work on I work on sort of end of month weekly charts, and I sort of just go into a a, a zone for four or five days where I'm not doing anything else, and uh, you know I need to you know at the end of it when I put the issue to bed, it's sort of, I just, just got to go to lie down or something, you know. So <laughs> so I I, I, I do good once a month gauntlet thing. So. It's good stress, right? It's good. Stress. Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, it's such a relief to, to put it to bed, and yeah. uh, in a way, you know, so, you know. But but it's but I get. Um, I'm sure I, you know, I, I I'm sure I get as much out of it uh, as the subscribers. You know, it it um, it it's a uh, yeah. It's 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 been a wonderful process. So. I just want to move on a bit from that. The, the concept of, you know, trading a portfolio of ideas, you know, managing all sorts of different risks that might be simultaneous, might not be. But uh, I, certainly from my experience, the, the people that didn't, that, that looked at the non-standard, the people that looked at the edges of the market, perhaps the things that were slightly complex, that were slightly, you know, slightly off the beaten track, and often people were spreading, you know, the unusual against the unusual, and were finding great benefit in in doing that. But is that something that you found that you know, exploiting the edges of, you know, not not going into where everyone is, but kind of looking at the peripheral? 
Yeah, um, you know you, that, that you're ab- absolutely right, and, and that and that in part just goes to what drew me into the investment business. It was not anything to do with uh, you know financial considerations. It was uh, because I just got a curiosity about the world, and I want to try and understand what's going on in the world and and to make sense of it. And and I thought the investment business was would be uh, a very a great way to sort of have a ringside seat to to be able to see those events uh, uh, developing and and uh, you know I'm I'm a student of history and and geopolitics and you know archaeology and you know just I have a you know I I have, I have a range of interests and. People might be surprised, but all of those things have, at one point or another, played a role in my in my uh, investing uh, decisions and process. Uh, and looking at um, you know, and 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 looking at historic precedent, which get which you know, history and psychology are you know, I mean, uh, psychology is the driver of, of the human experience. So you know the while psychology is important you know from an investing trading standpoint it's also been a big driver of human history and so on and the other thing is that you know people don't change uh, you know if there were psychiatrists around back in the days of ancient rome they'd be hearing about the same problems from people that that they would be today you know and um and so i look at those things and and you know looking at fringy things i'm you know i I read a lot, which is one, you know, reading is one of the things that I would say to anybody interested in investing, you know, just read as much as you can and not necessarily, you know, focus just on the markets, just try and develop a bit of a general knowledge of, of, of topics that, you know, would be reasonably uh, pertinent. But it, it, it may, you know, it, to me, that's an essential quality of an investor is to be, is to be a reader. And because I read widely, you know, I, I came across the um, the coronavirus very early last year when they started talking about this, you know, this thing when it was was still relatively contained to Wuhan, and uh, so that you know that that caught my uh, attention because uh, you know because I knew history, I, you know, I was aware of the effects of of the the Spanish flu in 1918 1919 and and its potential effects and that's what prompted me to uh uh you know to write about that and i first wrote about it in february and then i you know more, more so last march and that was kind of i guess some people might call that a fringy thing uh but it became obviously a very central uh a very central issue and I was a little surprised that the markets uh, did not react to it more quickly than they did. But, you know, obviously when, when they did eventually it, it kind of, uh, you know, the, the decline happened, you know, large, largely at once. And um, I, I get, you know, I guess as an aside uh, that also sort of addresses sort of the academic notions of efficient markets uh, because when I went to business school, all the professors were big adherents to efficient markets, and then of course I was I was skeptical even then. But I mean, I certainly 
had the uh, scales fall from my eye when I actually started managing money. And while markets are relatively efficient, uh, they're they're um, they're not uh, perfectly efficient by any means. And I think the they never will be. And I think the reason markets will not be efficient is once again kind of what we're talking about here is the role of human psychology. That human psychology, even even uh, given perfect information. Uh, will not always produce a, 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 a perfect interpretation of that information, and so you're not you're, so you're going to get mispriced markets. And then when you add in the the prospect of market euphorias or market panics, you get these you get these abrupt uh, changes in markets that produce um, they produce great risks and and great opportunities. Um, so all of these things. You know, I, I, you know, all all of these things that sort of I incorporate into my thinking. It's, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know what I mean. That you know, when when you're an investor or slash trader, you're kind of always on the clock. You're always sort of thinking about it at some level, you know, and uh, and so I, you know, I'm always uh, attempting to accumulate information that way. I think, um, you know. Having a, a curious mindset, curiosity per se, is, is a great way of just 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 behaving. Full stop. Um, you know, being well read, being well travelled, you know, learning from experiences, calling upon what happened in the past, and asking the question: Is, is this going to happen again? Um, you know, we can see great evidence of different types of cycles coming through. And of course, I'm, I was a great follower of, uh, of cycles when I was back in the business. You know, the, the Kondratiev cycles and the impact of solar cycles on certain types of behavior, all that stuff. And I think I was super curious. And I, I had great benefit from you know, being involved in market and being involved with like you know, super big clients and having the dialogue based around curiosity what was driving the conversation. And you know, I think this is about, you know, when you're a trader, it's about your conversation between yourself and the market. Do you have a conversation? Or do you just go in and say, well, I think it's cheap, I'll buy it. But actually, if you've got a conversation about it and you're curious about it and you and you see the market as this kind of, you know, high-definition, you know, intuitive thing that's just going on, You've got to understand what it's about. And there are lots of different facets. And so quite a lot of it comes from history. I know that Doug uh, Mackerman around at Sabatigo that, that I engage with quite often reflects on, on on European history and quotes European history in you know, modern day dialogue about you know, how some of the things taking shape now have happened before and how we can learn lessons from the past. And of course, that in a way, it's our own journeys, right? Well, how can we learn from what we've our own behavior? in the past and how that then leads to tweaks that we then modify that then modifies our performance and knowing that we can't perhaps modify it in one big bang go we need to do it in steps and learn each step and test each step and then you know have a process of building up to a change that has a meaningful impact so yeah i'm glad you mentioned curiosity i don't think enough traders have it some people end up trading the same thing for their entire life and uh, i just think you know you got to kind of step back and have a broadened awareness because 
there could be different types of opportunities out there that are perhaps less stressful, more optimal in terms of, of the amount of risk to create a certain return. Um, that's not looked at enough. Would you? you um, and I'm sure you'd agree with that because we, you know, this has come from your conversation. But I don't think people are curious enough. I no, I I think that's right, and and I think that also touches on uh, an aspect of trading and investing is that it's not even all about the markets or money or whatever. The process of of be- Becoming a better trader or an investor, there are benefits just uh, yourself as a person because it's because some of the qualities that will produce better investment returns are also just qualities that psychologically will uh, you know just help us in our other facets of our lives. Now, how would you deal with uncertainty? Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, uh, I think I wrote recently, or I thought recently, something. I, I, uncertainty. Well, I don't think, I don't think that, you know, the only things I'm certain of is, you know, the proverbial death and taxes. I'm certain I love my wife, and yeah. I'm certain I love my late dear departed dog. But beyond that, I don't know uh, too much that I'm certain about, and I don't think investors have the luxury of certainty. I think that, um, I think what we have to deal with is a spectrum of probabilities. And uh, one of the things that I've learned uh, is a very valuable tool is to think in terms of probabilities. And uh, I must say that when I was in school, when I was first uh, exposed to statistics, I didn't take to it uh, too well. Uh, for whatever reason. But uh, as time went on, I began to appreciate it more and more, particularly probability. And the idea is, you know, I guess what I try and do is in my thinking is to line things up in such a way that I've got the odds in my favor. They're never going to be 100%. And uh, But you put the odds in your favor as much as you can. Uh I guess the other thing that that probability teaches us is that um, even if you have the odds in your favor, you're going to run through a period where uh, you'll go on a sort of a losing streak and you'll you'll have a series of uh, negative outcomes, uh, even though you've done everything right. And then there'll be periods where, you know, you'll go on these long winning streaks, which is all part of 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 probability. And so at the end of the day, I've evolved my thinking to that, you know, I don't really care so much what percentage, you know, I'm right or I'm wrong. It's how much do I make when I'm right and how little do I lose when I'm wrong. So I mean I, I do try, you know, obviously I I I try and you know be right as much as I can, but I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me if, um, uh, you know, if a trade goes against me, uh, what I try and do is just, you know, minimize the, uh, the potential losses. Uh, the thing that really, bo- you know, the thing that bothers me more is, um, you know, if I don't understand why a trade 
went against me or whatever. And then I got it. So, okay, well, I've got to, I've got to sort of think, okay, what happened here? What did I miss? Occasionally, uh, I'll do everything right. And the market just decides to go the other way. And you just have to say that's part of the life of being uh, an investor slash trader. You know, sometimes things are going to um, uh, happen that way. And then that also goes back to, you know, the idea of risk and reward and not exposing yourself uh, overly much on, on you know, on, on individual positions and so on. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I guess if you're in, an, uh, if you're uh, in, in our business, you have to kind of embrace uncertainty. So, I mean, I understand that, uh, you know, triggering yourself out of a position with a stop, you know, is, is, is clearly manage, managing the risk in one way. But one of the things I often hear uh, and people ask a lot is that, well, if I'm in a trade, how, how do I stay in that trade long enough for it to be an optimal trade? Because people get very itchy about suddenly if something's in profit and they'll cut it too early, they won't run it. Do you, do you have any advice around that for people? Yeah, well, you know what, we're sort of, uh, the, uh, the markets that we're seeing this year is a good example of that. Because, I, I, you know, uh, we, we talked about sentiment and, 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 and so on. I, I've, been, I've been basically bearish since the start of the year. However, um, I've got a, a bunch of open positions in, in the markets, which, you know, which I write about. And uh, because the markets have not provided me what, what I think of as a concrete sell signal, I've just stayed in there and I've been able to capture uh, the gains in the market this year, um, even though I have some real concerns about, you know, the sort of the current risk reward of the market. So I think I wrote uh, in a recent issue where, you know, I've rarely been more bearish yet, had better returns on the long side as in 2021. Um, I think, you know, I, I think, um, I think that's where the role of technical analysis can come in, in terms of uh, looking at things like moving averages and important chart levels and so on uh, that I think are very helpful in, in, in attempting to spot uh, changes of trends and so on. So my, you know, so I, I am, if I'm long something, I'm going to stay long until I see evidence of a, of, of a change of trend. Um, and that, you know, that has not occurred, at least in, in, in the markets that I've been exposed to, you know, that I'm long uh, uh, this year. Um, and so I, I, I use that. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the, uh, you know, one of the mistakes that people make is if they've made a bit of money, they get, they'll get out too soon, as I think you were alluding to. And um, that, you know, that's a realization I, that I think comes with, with experience and, and so on. But if you don't, if you don't maximize your winners, uh, you know, it, you're going to get chewed up on your losses. So, you know, the idea is the, you know, in baseball terms, you know, you hit, you know, you hit the home runs will make up for, for, you know, a lot of small uh, uh, losses. So 
it is important to stick with a trade until there's concrete evidence of, of a change of trend. And, you know, uh, I have my own little sort of yardsticks that, you know, that I talk about and stuff. And uh, I do find that major, major points of support and resistance uh, in terms of uh, chart reading are worth paying attention to. Um, and, and, and something that I've also use is that as positions get close to those um, chart points, uh, the risk reward of entering a position is uh, gets reduced because those chart points, whether support or resistance, often are if they're major, uh, you know, important uh, levels. They're often the point at which you'll see um, uh, trends reverse and so on. So I, you know, I I I want to try and get into a position early in a trend after the trend has been established, but not, you know, not after it's, um, you know, getting it's pushing up against potentially a reversal point. Mm-hmm. And so, so would you call some of your your positions trades, or would you call some of them investments, or would you have a, you know? Um, would you have like a, a separate view as to how you treat a trade and how do you distinguish between the two? Yeah, most of the, uh, you know, the position, you know, most of my positions uh, 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 I, I will hold for uh, months uh, and, you know, sometimes even years, but some I will hold for like a day if it turns out that I'm wrong. So if I buy something uh, on a breakout that I think looks looks compelling, but the breakout fails, I I will terminate the trade uh, uh, very quickly. Um, other positions I'll just hold. Uh, I, I will hold something that uh, until there's evidence that the reason I bought it no longer exists. So my holding period. Um, uh, tends to be fairly fluid. Um, but that's me. And that, so that's, you know, that's the way I look at things. Other people, uh, you know, depending on their, 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 their personality and so on, you know, may have a, um, you know, may have a different attitude. I, and which, which touches on something that I think is important is that uh, it's very important to identify the time frame that you, that you're, um, working with when you're when you're making uh when you're initiating a position or an investment so if you're attempting to make a long-term investment uh you may want to be a bit more tolerant of some volatility than if you were doing something shorter term um myself you know i my my investment approach is you know particularly now that i'm just running my own uh, money is, you know, is highly personal now. So I'm just doing what, what works for me. Um, but doesn't, you know, but I don't pretend that that, you know, so necessarily applies to everybody, but I, I will say that one thing that I do, I do want to touch on and I, is the, is the role of volatility, um, that, um, along with sentiment, the um, sort of the study of volatility has become, you know, an important aspect of my work. And uh, 
over time, I, you know, I was reading about volatility and the, uh, and the mean revert, reverting nature of volatility, which I've come to really respect. And that mean reverting nature of, of volatility cuts across all time frames. And so when you have periods of constricted, very low uh, volatility, ultimately that gets resolved into periods of very high volatility and, and vice versa. And, and you see that in all walks of life, not, not, not even, um, you know, just, you know, restricted to investing or trading. You see that constriction of volatility and, and expansion with solar flares. You know, the sun's got a, a roughly 11-year solar cycle. Well, you'll see that constriction. And so, and, and, and as a student of history, you, you, you'll see uh, periods of relative calm and then periods of, of great turmoil and so on. Uh, you know, you had the, la- the last part of the 19th century in Europe was relatively quiet from the point of view of wars and so on. And, but, then you had, but then you had Germany and, and, and Britain sort of building up their navies. And then one thing led to another. And you had an assassination in Sarajevo and you had the First World War. And then you had the Second World War 20 years later. Uh, so you, you have these, you know, in all aspects of, of life, you have these constrictions and these spikes of, 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 uh, of volatility. So one of the things I do look at is is that and and that's something I look at you can look on it on a daily chart, a weekly chart, a yearly chart and and some those those constrictions and expansions of volatility uh, are noteworthy and 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 it's good to bear in mind that they're being reverting and one of the one of the ch- the, the chart of volatility of the past decade uh, you know the 20 teens, was was an exceptionally low period on a on a on a decade long basis for market volatility, and that's one of the reasons why I expect the twenty twenties to be actually quite a volatile, tumultuous um, uh, decade for investors. Uh, that's one factor. Now, of course, the fact that we've got a mountain of of uh, of debt and uh, to my mind, de- you know, deteriorating global geopolitics are, are other important catalysts for what I think, you know, is likely to be volatility this decade. Uh, I do think that, you know, the financial system of the world and, and so on is going to look a bit different by the end of the decade than it is now. I, I think uh, at some point there is going to there's going to be another financial crisis um that's that's going to produce some changes and uh, you know that might result in you know changes to currencies and uh you know uh debt and it, it uh, I, you know at the end of the day it, it it's dangerous to try and you know uh, look too far ahead uh but uh you know my expectations are that this decade is is going to be challenging for investors well, on that note, perhaps it's, we've been rattling on for a, for a good hour or so, and it's been absolute, absolute delight to, to have have you on, Jonathan. I think you know the curiosity, the commitment, the awareness—all these things come together with what, with what you're producing in terms of 
the global investment ladder, but also your own strategies. You know, the, the ladder's a reflection of them, but of course, you've got process and uh, your own style that's that's come about. And I suppose there is a question to be asked before we start to wrap up: is that you know, if you if you reflect back twenty years, what would you what would you give guidance to yourself twenty years ago? What would be the key message? That's a very, you know, that's a very good uh, question. Um, I guess uh, keep keep learning. Uh, trade smaller, <laughs> smaller <laughs> positions. Uh, always remember that uh, you know markets are going to uh, throw up the unexpected. Um, and, uh, you know, and, you know, just keep check, you know, just keep it, keep checking your own psychology and so on. Um, I wish I had the ability to go back 40 years, Mark, and talk to myself from this vantage point. So I'd be a very, very dangerous man. So, <laughs> but I don't have that luxury. Oh, you'd, have but, uh, you'd have gone the tennis route. You'd have been a tennis pro or something. Well, you know, I tell you, there were, there were times, uh, uh, there, there were times, particularly back in the '90s, there, as I was saying, that uh, you know, other avenues of uh, endeavor looked uh, a lot less stressful. Let's put it that way, you know. So, Fantastic. anyway, I, I just want to say it was it, it was lovely uh, uh, talking uh, talking with you. It's uh, I hope I didn't uh, rattle on too much. It's no, just it's it's such a big topic. It's a, it's I guess step back and we'll let you rattle. And I think it did it, it, it did a great. <laughs> Did a, a great job. Now, listen, a lot of people will perhaps be uh, wanting to follow you and find you. Where, where can they find you on the web, on Twitter, and perhaps even get in touch regarding your letter? Okay. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, I do, uh, if people want to look at my profile on LinkedIn, it's Jonathan Baird, uh, CFA. Um, if you would like to look at some um, sample issues of the Global Investment Letter, uh, you can visit uh, the website, and that's globalinvestmentletter.com. And um, you can just click on sample issues. And if you leave your name and address, uh, you'll get put on. I, I put out a weekly um, short uh, email that where I talk about, you know, just sort of, you know, just market comments. Um, is You know, it's a short email once a week. And so you'll get put on the mailing list for that. Plus, you'll um, there's probably six or eight sample issues of the global investment letter that you'll have access to from that. Fantastic. Well, look, um, both Steve, silent Steve. <laughs> I know like, we had some technical uh, issues in London that uh, yeah. he he listened and he was sending me little WhatsApp things saying. Hey, you know, ask him, ask him this. So uh, he was sort of, um, he was here. Let's go say he was here. Yeah. Well, you know what? Thank you. And I, you know, I'm so, you know, I, I'm sorry if I, I kind of rambled on a bit. Uh, you know what? Listen, that, you know, it's, it's about you as much as you know, we're, we're the conduit to very interesting people in the market and you're very interesting for many reasons. And, you know, we wouldn't be doing our job if, if we did the talking. You know, we want to inspire you to share more and to dive, to dive deeper into your world. And because that the, the audience come on to listen to you, we just guide the conversation. So yeah, well, well, thanks. I, you know what? I hope I, you know, honestly, I, I, I hope I provided something, you know, that 
that will be of interest to your uh, listeners uh, and so on. A hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah. uh, anyway, so f- for the moment, I uh, wish you well. Thanks very much again. Thank you for listening to this week's Air From Home podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast or any of our past podcasts, we would be delighted if you could rate the podcast on whichever service you use or even better, leave a review. Thank you also to our podcast sponsor, the Society of Technical Analysts, the STA. You can go to technicalanalysts.com to find out more about their services and to explore becoming a member of the STA. As a reminder, at Alpha Mind, we focus on trader and investor personal growth and development. We offer coaching programs which are geared towards developing the key human personal and behavioral skills that are so vital in helping people grow their performance and take their trading or investing to a higher level. Our clients come from a range of backgrounds from across the world. These include leading portfolio managers working at some of the world's largest hedge funds, asset management firms, and sovereign wealth funds. We also work with investment banks and some of the world's largest commodity and energy trading businesses. Our clients also come from a myriad of other backgrounds, including family offices, proprietary trading firms, as well as many serious private retail traders. In addition to trade and investor coaching, our services extend to executive, leadership and team coaching with a specialist focus on financial markets, investment and risk businesses. To know more about our services, visit our webpage alpha-mind.net or email us info at alpha-mind.net or visit the AlphaMind blog page for more contact information. If you would like to sign up for our regular newsletter, you can do so on the page link at the top of the AlphaMind blog. And you can also listen to our podcasts on our new AlphaMind YouTube channel. Finally, you can follow us and connect with us on social media. We are active on LinkedIn in our own names, Stephen Goldstein and Mark Randall, or through the AlphaMind group on LinkedIn, which has over 15,000 members. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handles are AlphaMind101 and AlphaMind102. We wish you well, stay safe and have a great week.